With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Bramling. I'm Jenny Brentis. I'm Connor Orr. And guys, we have arrived at part three of our octology, I believe it is. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, we're bringing it back. Ologies. Uh, yeah, this is our division preview octology. We uh, we have already done two of them. We are at the, I don't know why I'm unveiling this as if people haven't already like seen the title or description, but uh, we'll build up the drama a little bit. It's the AFC East. Can you believe it? We're <laughs> the- there already. We uh, in the pre-show meeting, uh, we came up with a really interesting tagline for the AFC East, which is "This division sucks." Uh, <laughs> like, uh, trying to come up with a lot of nice things to say about uh, the AFC East is uh, is difficult to, to say the least. Yes, well, and also I want to take a second to acknowledge the fact that we have gotten several excellent guesses for the order that mm. we're going in. And the most popular response we got was guessing that we are going in cumulative wins per division from most to least. However, by doing the AFC East today, that is out. And then we got another great guess. This one was very creative, fellows. It says, I don't know why I just called you fellows. That was very strange. (laughs) Counterclockwise conference alternating would so they guessed AFC North, AFC North, NFC West, and next would be AFC South. Okay, so really by going AFC East this week, we are throwing everything into chaos. We are. And by the way, when you said fellows, I, I was wondering if you're doing the show with some other people. That that <laughs> name has definitely never come up on this on the show. Yeah, it's uh, it. it uh, I mean, look, we do have the prize out there. The MMQB sticker, one sticker, or do you get more than one? I mean, I have a whole stack, so we could send okay. as many as is requested. If you, can, you, you can also have the college ID of my former roommate. <laughs> That's also on I'm, the table. I'm holding right here in front of me. <laughs> Worth a lot. A lot of a lot of utility to these prizes here. <laughs> it can be I, a yeah, it can be a sticker. You can leave the back on, and it can be just not a sticker, just a very small <laughs> sign. 
<laughs> you know, I have to say, I don't know that people are going to guess it because I loved the cumulative wins theory, but I have to tell everybody who's listening that that is a little bit too objective. This is a mm. more subjective type of ranking. So cracking it will require you to get into the mind of Gary Gramling, which after working with him for eight years now, I have yet to be able to do. Just a fair warning. It is just a just a maze of madness. Ooh. <laughs> this is, this is going to be good. This is going to be better than the ending of Lost. Keep sending the guesses in, though. We will send you a prize if you get it right. Will anyone get it right? I don't think so. <laughs> but keep guessing. I promised I would have a hot take on the show this week, by the way, Gary. And so oh. you were on the receiving end of it. I, that was my hot take. Uh, is that Gary's mind is indecipherable. Sorry for the roast. <laughs> <It was laughs> of all the insults I take on like a weekly basis at this place, that, uh, that was fine. It's actually not an insult if you look at it. A certain way. Yeah, it could it could be a compliment. Could be a compliment. We it call isn't, po- but it could be. We call that positive reframing in the business. <laughs> so that's good. All right, let's dive into this thing. Uh, we're doing the usual categories. Biggest offseason edition veteran, biggest offseason edition rookie, most valuable non-quarterback, most interesting coach, and then, of course, we will have the Mad Lib, and we will wrap up with our predictions or coaches poll style predictions of how this will go in the AFC East. But uh, we are starting it with biggest offseason edition veteran. And uh, we'll start with Jenny. All right. So I'm starting out with a Patriots edition from another team in the division. Kyle Van Noy coming back to New England. This is also in tandem with Dante Hightower returning from his opt-out last year. Basically, the point being is the middle of the Patriots defense will get a lot better. We saw a Patriots defense last season that didn't look anything like the defense the year before, and there were a lot of reasons for that. I mean, they had losses on the defense. They had players opting out, et cetera, et cetera. But I really feel like the return of Van Noy is going to be one of those essential pieces to getting the Patriots back to where they have been in the division for a long time. And that hot take is for later in the show, Gary and Connor. But um, so my pick here is Kyle Van Noy. And also, I mean, it was an expensive one-year signing for the Dolphins. They cut him. Obviously, the cap constricted with as a result of the pandemic. But he ends up back in New England, and he'll be playing side. Hightower again, and I feel like this defense is going to be on the upswing. And before this, we did look up the Patriots' defensive stats last year, which actually were not as bad as I thought they were, but generally, overall, we know what we saw on the field from the Patriots' defense, and it is not what we've come to expect from Bill Belichick's teams. They were a little all over the place last year. Like, if you think back, like, I remember they shut down the Cardinals, and then, but then they had games like when the Bills went there late in the season and sort of looked like they might score 200 points in that game. It's a very up and down defense, uneven, to say the least. Um, I am actually going with uh, Will Fuller down in Miami, and I'm not going to tout this as the, as, as the, biggest best player who uh, entered the division, but I think stylistically it's a really interesting fit, and he's a very interesting player too, I'll get to that in a second, but it's a really interesting fit because what you saw last year with this Dolphins receiving core, not only did they sort of struggle to stay healthy uh, between Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, Parker and Williams are kind of similar, big-bodied, contested catch type of guys, and in Fuller, you just get a different kind of style. You get that deep dart type guy, and he's more than a deep dart, but you do get a guy who takes the top off of a defense. He's going to create separation, uh, and you know, look, they have Jakeem Grant. They, they've had guys sort of in that speedster mold, but... Uh, those guys are all, you know, guys they had in the past are kind of gadget type guys. Fuller's a much more complete receiver here. And then, you know, obviously on top of that, uh, he's on a one-year deal again. He's going to be, uh, suspended for the, for the first game of the season, uh, going back to last year's, uh, PED suspension. So, uh, it's sort of a make or break year again for him. We, we saw last offseason how hard it is for receivers to get these uh, these big mega contracts at this point with all the just absurdly deep draft classes coming into the position. So uh, it's a big year for Fuller. He certainly makes sense as a compliment to Devontae Parker in that offense. And and look, they we know they drafted Tua two years ago. We They stuck with Tua even though they had the, uh, the number three pick. They could have moved on if they wanted to. Uh, 
this is the kind of thing you do to build around your own quarterback. And, and obviously they, they, uh, uh, you know, they added Jalen Waddle as well, but Fuller's kind of the guy who I think you can plug in there early in the season. And by the end of September, you might have something going here, uh, as far as a vertical passing game that just wasn't really there, uh, the way you wanted it to be a year ago. Yeah, and I like Fuller too. Um, I, th- I think that's a good pick just because the Texans actually started using him not just exclusively in that burner role. Like if you look at his route tree, it kind of did d- diversify last year. And I think that shows that you could do more than that. You know, and I know that there's some relationships between those staffs. I'm sure they communicate. You know, there's probably some stuff that they learned uh, from watching the Texans last year that they can incorporate. I mean, anything to get to a. M- space, right? He needs space to throw the ball. I think he needs a little bit more, you know, like they say, uh, open in the NFL and air quotes is not really open. It's, you know, you have to project the guy being open. I think Tua might need a little open in air quotes, right? For the first year mm-hmm. or two while he gets his feet under, uh, while he gets his feet under him and, and Fuller, that signing definitely does that. Um, I'm going uh, to a signing that just happened like a week ago, less than a week ago. I think it was officially announced. Um, checks watch uh the day that we were recording this (laughs) podcast um but i think that the um the morgan moses signing by the jets is huge um and while i think we can't be too quick to give joe douglas too much credit right away um to have a right tackle to sort of anchor that um offensive line and a guy who is at least should be vaguely familiar with the kind of offense that they're going to try to run i think is big um and I'm I'm kind of worried about the Jets offensive line as a whole because, you know, you have Makai Becton and everyone's like, oh, how great is this? You know, he's going to anchor the left side. But a big bopper like Makai Becton is not really what you want in an outside zone running scheme because you want those guys to be up and out of their stance and sprinting, um, you know, horizontally really quickly. And that's really not what he does well. And so I think the more good offensive linemen the Jets can find, the better um, to try to compensate for some of this because I do think it's going to be kind of a patchwork deal for them uh, for a little bit. And we'll get to that later on with the rookie thing, but they just cannot afford to have what has happened with their last like 10 first round quarterbacks happen with Zach Wilson. They can't just have a guy who's tortured behind the line constantly. Sam Darnold was sacked once every 12 plays last year, uh, which is insane. And, uh, you know, so they they can't have that or else they're just going to waste another uh, number two overall draft pick. Yeah, and because they don't have a veteran transition plan, Zach Wilson is their plan. It makes the line even that much more important. Also want to shout out your use of Big Bopper. Big Bopper <laughs> Becton. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that's a uh I don't know, that's like a t-shirt brand. Should pitch yeah. that to him. Yeah. Yeah. I think we know a guy. We could get a t-shirt <laughs> made. You just get some Hanes of regular t-shirts and just, just write in Sharpie on it, see where it goes, <laughs> see if there's a market for it. Uh, biggest offseason edition rookie, Connor, why don't you just uh, keep cooking with your Jets offensive line? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, let's just uh, let's let's continue this offensive line <laughs> monologue that everybody came to the podcast to hear. Um, so Elijah Vera Tucker and uh, is is mine and Joe Douglas traded up to make this happen. Uh, I think that uh, a lot of people who had been sniffing around on the Jets at pre-draft had thought that maybe Robert Sala was going to get another edge rusher to pair and kind of bookend and complete that defensive line. But the fact that they traded up to get Elijah Vera Tucker shows how important he is to make this whole thing work. And, you know, I talked to uh, Jeff Schwartz, who is a eight, uh, eight year uh, NFL pro about the outside zone, uh, a little uh, freak, uh, a couple times. And he said, the one thing that people don't understand is how integral that guard position is to running that offense too. And for example, you know, the Titans got Roger Saffold from the Rams a couple of years ago because they needed him to make that work. It doesn't work without Roger Saffold. And so the jets, I think Elijah Vera Tucker is their Roger Saffold, right? We need a guy that can get out there and run. We need a guy who's going to be able to do blocks X, Y, and Z really well. And so I think that that's huge because if this system works, right, when you're trying to marry the run in the pass, that gives Zach Wilson the kind of time that he was used to at BYU. And if it doesn't, then Zach Wilson is going to have to learn to throw faster than he's ever thrown in his life, which I guess he still is, but to a point of uncomfortability. And I think that that's where we're going to get into trouble because Zach Wilson was not touched last year at BYU. I think he was pressured once every 33 or 34 snaps because I had to look that up recently. That's not a lot. That's like 
two or three times a game, you know? And so that's, that's a pretty incredible um, thing to have. And he's not going to have that now with the jets, but with Vera Tucker, you might at least be able to simulate the experience a little bit. All so right. much offensive line play. Yeah. Here. I was just going to say, Connor is talking in depth about blocking schemes and which players will make them work. And for my pick for biggest off season edition rookie, I picked the Patriots quarterback. So I'm the basic one. <laughs> I went with Mac Jones, you know, the easy, obvious pick here, but I, I really am intrigued because this is the year when the post Brady era really begins in new England. Last year was kind of this weird gap year. You know, we saw it with all the Patriots opt outs, We've talked about this before, but when there was discussions of if the Patriots would train Stefan Gilmore before the season last year, that that was a signal from Belichick that last year was kind of a, a wasted year. They didn't have that seamless Brady to the next guy transition. Okay, they had a gap year, but now we'll really see, you know, how is the post-Brady chapter looking? How is the plan developing? What will the Patriots do with the highest quarterback Bill Belichick has ever drafted? So... I am very intrigued. I don't know when Mac Jones will start. I don't know if it'll be him and Cam Newton in some crazy offense together. Game plan specific week to week. There's a lot of options here. But it's in my view, I am probably the most excited to see what will happen with this rookie just because of all of the implications that come with being the first quarterback drafted in the first round by Belichick a year after Brady leaves. I love too that um, I think it was Mike Giardi at NFL Network who had, and this this is what amounts to a spicy anonymous quote in New England right now. But it's uh, the, there's an anonymous Patriots veteran that said Max sees the offense the way Josh does, and it was like plastered in the headline. And you're like, whoa! Whereas like anyone would say that about any quarterback in any other place, but in New England, it's like whoa! Like wow! Look at that! Um, but I, I I love it. I mean, I love the idea of splitting time between these two. I mean, we've talked about this forever, but if Mac Jones is able to take the wheel, I mean, I, I think this is just going to be fascinating. Like, uh, you know, I, we've never, I think this says as much about Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. And I don't know, it's just very exciting. And I think that there's a lot of people that thought that really did think he was going number three, like he was valuable enough to go number three. So I don't know. There, there's a lot of exciting components here. Well, that's the other thing. We've had kind of a nice palate cleanser with Mac Jones since draft season because, uh, and look, I, I know Kyle Shanahan was sort of talking about this, uh, you know, oh, you know, we, we kind of had everyone fooled and, and everyone thought we were taking Mac Jones, but Trey Lance was a guy, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the real victim in all that <laughs> was Mac Jones because all these 49ers fans were like, I will burn this city to the ground if they take Mac Jones. It's <laughs> like, it's like, guys, he's. <laughs> it's fine. Like, they'll be fine if they take Mac Jones. They didn't, and if Mac Jones was not sort of caught up in that whole thing and just went 15th, I, I don't think there would have been this just really weird wave of negativity uh, toward him. And and look, maybe he ends up not being a great NFL quarterback, and then we can all sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, we, we, can, we can threaten to burn cities down then. But, uh, yeah, it got, like, super ugly, some of the... Uh, uh, discussions surrounding Mac Jones as the potential number three overall pick. And I guess it also just shows how silly it is. He went 15. It was 12 picks later. It wasn't like he went in like round six. Also, when did fans get so incredibly violent, like uh, that they're just threatening to burn cities to the ground? Like I remember growing up a young Browns fan and I was incredibly excited about every draft pick that the franchise made when I had no reason to be like, I was like William green from Boston college in the first round. Like how did we get so lucky? Or like, you know, um, who's in a, uh, Gerard Warren. Oh my God. I have a Gerard Warren Jersey in my closet. It's like right Whoa. over there. Um, yeah. An alternate orange one. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Mac Jones is going to be good. And I think that the reason that a lot of people thought he was going number three, it was because, you know, not necessarily connected to the 49ers. But I think that there were a lot of coaches that were talking to people when they were asking around before the draft that were like, yeah, he's the third best quarterback in the draft. Like he's he's good. He's very good. And I heard some people say that they even thought he was the second best quarterback in the draft. And so I don't know. I mean, I, I'm excited. You hand Bill Belichick that raw material and I think something good's going to come of it. Yeah, and I think there's a tendency to joke about Belichick's 
connections, though he always drafts from the same schools. But there is no stronger connection he has in all of coaching than with Saban. And they talk all of the time about transition from college to pros, trends that are moving up. So the idea that, oh, it's not the kind of quarterback that would allow you to do things that are where NFL offenses are going. That's certainly something that Belichick has considered. Like he's considered all of the things that Mac Jones can and can't do, and they will build an offense around what he can do. So, um, yeah. And I also, Connor, to your earlier point, when did fans become so knowledgeable about draft prospects anyway? I mean, they're not actually knowledgeable, but they have these very strong opinions. And maybe in the case of quarterbacks or a quarterback like Mac Jones, who came from a big school where he was on primetime a lot. Maybe fans have watched him play a little bit more, but sometimes people have very strong opinions about offensive linemen from like obscure schools. And you're like, <laughs> did you really watch them play at all? Or are you recycling something you saw on Twitter? Probably the latter. We need to start. Uh, I, I ran an experiment that ended up not catching on. Um, but about three years ago, I started tweeting uh, a couple weeks before the draft about a fullback from Rice named oh, Don Stillman. Yes. And I wanted people <laughs> to eventually come to the conclusion, like he didn't exist. It wasn't a real person. Um, but I was just like, just getting, you know, texts about Stillman's combine numbers. Like these are unbelievable, you know, all the bench press and stuff like that to see if I could create that, like that's plant that sort of psychological, uh, nugget into the fan's mind was not successful, but I also didn't have the momentum of big football media behind me. We needed more people out there to talk Stillman in order to get that uh, going. But you're right. I mean, everybody just sees like, you know, they'll see Mel Kuyper say that guy is horrible, you know, and uh, and they're like, well, gosh, well, why did we pick him? And then, you know, unless you're the Raiders, uh, you know, most of the time it's not true. Like everything is fine. But the Raiders do pick people that everybody says are bad and they turn out to be bad. And there's a difference between that and and everything else. It's yeah, it's it really in the end. It's like, yeah, you should. It's fun to root for something. It's fun to turn on the draft and like root for your team to take your guy. And I don't want to take that away from people, but uh, uh, sometimes you just got to take a take a deep breath. <laughs> the <laughs> Mac Jones stuff was just—I don't know—that was on another level than anything I can really remember in uh, in, in in recent history here. But yeah, he went fifteen. Rightfully went fifteen, not number three. Yeah. So now we get to see what uh, <laughs> what he's gonna be. Uh, I am, uh, I, I'm going to switch this over to defense if you guys don't mind here. Uh, Gregory Rousseau fascinates me and not just because he's in Buffalo and Western New York is wonderful, but, uh, uh, Gregory Rousseau uh, makes sense to me, uh, in a couple of ways in this Bills defense. Number one, uh, really good interior rusher. And, uh, you know, we all kind of, I, I know I have a, you know, have an affinity for edge burner type of uh pass rush or stuff like that. Rousseau was better lining up in the interior. I'm guessing that's what they're going to use him uh to do. He might play on the outside on on early downs and then kick inside on uh, obvious passing downs here. Uh it, it that Mike Vrabel sort of diamond front he used in Houston a couple years ago. That that five man front. I always thought that would catch on. It never completely caught on and maybe the bills are going to try something with that maybe you put rousseau over center uh as frequently as possible and let him basically let him pick on guys who are uh less athletic than him kind of like whitney merciless did for uh, for a couple years there a bit of a different body type with rousseau but uh the other thing with rousseau and this is my mildly contrary uh football twitter take here uh so get ready buckle up um for a good reason, we sort of emphasize, okay, it's not just all about sacks. You got to, you know, pressures are important important, and QB hits and all this stuff and uh, and, and wins and and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. You know, one-on-one wins uh, as a pass rusher. That's all important. I think at some point we started to overlook guys who can finish. I think finishing is a skill. And uh, it's funny, I, I was... Uh, <laughs> I actually rewatched the game the other day, uh, the AFC title game, and... The two biggest plays in that game to me are still uh, Patrick Mahomes on back-to-back plays. Uh, the Bills had him dead to rights once it was uh, uh, it was Milano coming on coming clean on a blitz, and then it was a uh, uh, Espinessa on on a, on another uh, pass rush there. And you know they had him and they couldn't get him on the ground. And Mahomes escapes and he makes a big play, and all of a sudden the Chiefs are are fifty yards downfield and getting ready to score a touchdown at the end of the uh, second quarter there. So Rousseau had a ton of sacks. He can finish. I 
don't think you necessarily build your team around, okay, we need to sack this one single quarterback across the league and that will fix all of our problems. There are other skills that are important, but I do think finishing gets overlooked. I think the Bills had some problems finishing in their pass rush last year, and I think it's it's Rousseau's strength. And, you know, even if he doesn't have the best win rate uh, as a pass rusher, and even if he's not sort of a classic, uh, you know, edge-bending type of guy, I think it makes a lot of sense there, and I'm really curious to see how this works out for him because, as we saw from the Bills draft, they are very concerned with their pass rush. Yeah, that they could have gone a lot of directions with that pick, but I think the biggest need was somebody that could sack the opposing quarterback. That's the what they need to get them over the hump, um, you know, beyond where they got to last season. Really interesting headline out of that last monologue. Uh, Grambling hates analytics, believes all <laughs> defensive ends should be drafted based on sack totals. So, wow, that'll it, uh, that'll play. Yeah. If it's not in the box score, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and not even the full box score. The one that's like the, the colon and then they're all separated by semicolons in between. That box score. I'm going to CC pro football focus <laughs> on this when it's uh, when when we put it online. No, those are that's that's what I'm doing this year. And I kind of talked about the same stuff with uh, Najee Harris and the Steelers two shows ago in the AFC North stuff where, uh, you know, finishing a drive for a running back. That's a skill getting in the end zone. I think putting a quarterback on the ground rather than just getting there. I think the finishing is a skill that kind of gets overlooked. So uh, we'll see. I, I like analytics. I'm, I am creeping like into running back. I'm creeping back into running game matters. Like I really am. I found myself like slowly, you know, at first it's like you, you put your foot in uh, like it's a pool and you don't know how cold it is, but it mm-hmm. feels pretty good. Like I'm, I'm ready to jump in that running backs matter again. I'm ready. It's so just wonderfully contrarian. Yeah. It just feels great. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. 
All right. Most valuable non-quarterback. We're, we're totally getting away from the uh, running game here. Uh, I'm just, uh, look, I'll just go first. Uh, I picked Stefan Diggs. Uh, I looked across these rosters like multiple times. I didn't want to just pick Diggs because it seemed too on the nose. Uh, and again, I love being a contrarian, but uh, uh, there was just really no other <laughs> answer at this point. And as we saw last year, he was a perfect fit for Josh Allen. And I think we kind of get caught up in uh, in catch radius with some of the really big, you know, six foot four receivers. I think Diggs has a tremendous catch radius because he tracks the ball so well downfield. Uh, and he, I mean, look, he, he, he blows people away. They put him in the slot and no one can cover him. It's, it's, it's almost like, uh, what happens with Tyreek Hill down in Kansas city. Uh, yeah, he's just, he's the best non-quarterback in the division. I didn't have any, anything original to say about it. Yeah. So the most valuable non-quarterback category is what sparked the comment that Connor introduced earlier in the show. (laughs) The AFC sucks, which is not true. They could have three teams in the playoffs mix this year. But if you look at stars, individual players outside of the quarterback position, it's hard to locate one that is really kind of what you would expect in this category, which is a pass rusher. So our first two divisions, we had the top two defensive players in the league, TJ Watt and Aaron Donald. And there were also other good choices that you could have picked. So when you think of the most valuable non-quarterback, you think of the player that is pressuring the quarterback. And pass rush is not a strength of the AFC East. So I also went with Diggs for the way that he made the Bills offense come alive last season. He was really critical to unlocking Josh Allen's potential in a way that many of us, including myself, weren't sure could be done. And so that's why I went with him. Um, And, you know, I considered a couple of the cornerbacks. There are also strong cornerbacks in this division. But, yeah, as as Connor said at the top of the show, you know, what 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 talent is there? So the reason that I didn't put Stefan Diggs there, just a little bugaboo for me is, um, you know, so my neighbors recently found out what I do for a living. I went down to assist one of them with a fantasy football draft last year, and Stefan Diggs was available at a very reasonable point in the draft. And he said, well, we should get this guy. He's he's good. And I was and I said, no, because he's the only good player in Buffalo. So everyone's going to know that and everyone's going to cover him and he's not going to get the ball. And my neighbor said, see, that's why I brought you down here. Good, good stuff. And then lo and behold, <laughs> Stephen Dix catches more balls than anybody in the NFL. And then, uh, you know, you just, you, 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 you start walking the dog in another direction because you don't want to see people um, on Mondays. And uh, you know, it's just, it's complicated for me. So that's, that's the only reason, but that's um, it. That's a really good way to get out of like doing someone's fantasy draft with him, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, Lamar Jackson. Who wants that guy? Um, <laughs> but I went with Xavier Howard uh, be- just because uh, you know Brian Flores comes from the Belichick tree, and there's always that need for that integral lockdown corner. Uh, I believe Pro Football Focus had him as the second best cornerback in the NFL last year, uh, and he's going to perform a lot of important tasks in this division this year. I think that with New England uh, finally getting some receivers to add uh, to their roster, I think that's going to make his job even more important in the way that their defense works. I think having him uh, against Stefan Diggs once a year or twice a year when they play Buffalo, I think is valuable. So I went with Xavier Howard just because, you know, he met matters very much to that scheme in a way that Stefan Diggs matters very much to that scheme in Buffalo, um, which is also to say, um, they, why haven't the Bills traded for Zach Arts yet? Like, that needs to happen. They need more people to catch the ball there. They need they need extra help, so they should do that. Connor's trying to make the Oracle happen still. I know. I'm really like, you know, I've been reading a lot about manifesting, and it's just not happening. Like, I just keep yelling it, and it's not <laughs> happening. And I don't understand what all these people mean when they say you can just make stuff happen by saying it a lot. So, I don't get it. <laughs> the most interesting coach. This can be head coach or assistant in the division. Uh, Connor, why don't, why, don't you, uh, why don't you keep it going? I thought you were going to say, Connor, we've heard enough from yes. you today. Um <laughs> Uh, why have Bill Belichick? And just because, you know, I think this is the first off season where there are some pretty legitimate, 
um, like anti Belichick takes, you know, I think Paul Feinbaum was the one who said the other day, like he's past his prime. All he's going to do now is draft Alabama players and he's asleep at the wheel and all that stuff. And while I think everybody else is sort of picking and choosing the way that they're going to take their shots at him, I do think that there's a sentiment that now that Tom Brady has won the Super Bowl elsewhere, that he was the engine that drove this entire thing and that Belichick is going to be unable to do it without him. You know, there's that uh, sense that, well, you know, his teams weren't that good in Cleveland and then they weren't that good until Tom Brady got here. And so, you know, X plus Y equals Z, you know, and I think that it couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, you know, to Jenny's point earlier, like, did we really think that Belichick is not thinking about where defenses are going 10 years from now or where offenses are going 10 years from now when he drafted Mac Jones? Like, of course he has. I mean, this guy literally in his spare time is hanging out with military black ops people to find out how they sleep to get his players to sleep better. Like this guy has thought of everything. And I think that um, he's an incredible head coach. He's the best head coach in modern NFL history. And we get a chance to see him rebuild from scratch. I love the fact that he didn't retire when Brady left. I think it's fantastic. You know, I think that a lot of these coaches chase the guy, you know, like look at Bruce Arians is his book was called the quarterback whisperer, but you played with Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, uh, Carson Palmer. Like it's not that hard to be, you know, Andrew Luck. Uh, so, you know, that's okay. You know, that's a pretty decent resume, but Bill <laughs> Belichick is willing to start from the ground up again. And I think it's going to be fascinating to watch him uh, kind of operate in this way. No, I agree. It's a, uh... I kind of like the uh, the anti-Belichick takes just because they're completely absurd, and uh, I think, if anything, maybe it does keep him around a little bit longer. Not that I think he's uh, scrolling through, uh, I don't know, Twitter and seeing what everyone's saying about him, but uh, uh, I like the fact that he sort of gets that chance to, I don't know, reprove himself, even though he doesn't have to. I hope he thinks that. I'm uh, I'm going with Mike Lafleur here, the uh, the new offensive coordinator for the Jets. Came over from uh, the Forty Nineers with Robert Sala, and what's really interesting to me about him is, you know, we we think of a Kyle Shanahan uh, disciple. We think he's gonna you know play a fullback, play two tight ends, go with the sort of heavy looks, and then uh, you know get the play action off of that. And the way the Jets are built here, I mean, this looks like a team that's going to be a three receiver base. They're they're kind of very deep at receiver and not very deep anywhere else on the roster here. So I'm curious to see what Lafleur ends up doing. I think Corey Davis, uh, the fact that they signed him, I, I think maybe they see Davis as sort of a guy who can uh, maybe do some tight endish things as a blocker. You're not going to put him in line, but you can sort of use him in that same functionality where he's going to, uh, you know, uh, motion inside, and then and then you can uh, uh, you can sort of work off of that there. And uh, the other thing that really interests me with this Jets offense is. I just love the fact that it sort of encapsulates they they have sort of the old school slot receiver and then they have the new school slot receiver. Uh Jameson Crowder is still there and he's kind of what we always thought a slot receiver was for years and years, the guy who, you know, separates underneath and he's going to, you know, catch it 5 yards upfield and maybe slip a tackle, but probably in the end have like 90 catches for 900 yards and that's uh that's just fine, but what you're seeing with so many teams going with split safety looks, uh, it is so valuable to have a slot receiver who can also be a vertical threat, and that's what they have in Elijah Moore. So I think you get to see that sort of evolution happen in, uh, I don't know, real-ish time in the, in the Jets offense this year, if you want to keep a close eye on it. I like that. Um, I would say as a subset to that, it would be the best. Uh, in addition to LaFleur would be John Benton, right? Who's the run game mm -hmm. coordinator and offensive line coach who is almost as important to making that work as LaFleur. But you're right. I mean, there's going to be huge personnel challenges there. And the problem with a lot of hiring someone from Shanahan's system is like owners think, okay, I'm getting the offense. And, but you're not like, you need all the other things. Like you mentioned, I mean, you need a great, that's why he ran out and signed Kyle Juszczyk, you know, to a huge deal. And, you know, you need all those guys too, and they don't have them. So how do you compensate for that? I think that's going to be really interesting. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, deputy opinion editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen.
There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. I went with Brian Dable, partly because both of you had really good answers for this question, and I didn't want to repeat points that were already made. But I am legitimately interested. I think the hardest part, harder than helping a quarterback break through, is to then sustain that success the following year. And that is the task for Dable this year. So last year, they hit all the right notes with Josh Allen. They signed Diggs, and we saw him finally make this huge leap forward, and all of that physical talent and potential was unlocked last season. Well, now what do you do this year? You know, teams around the league have a better sense of what an Allen-led offense can look like at its best and have more time to defend and prepare against that. And also, you know, when you're taking that step forward, you're kind of playing with house money, right? The expectations aren't as high on you. Everything you do is a thrill. Everyone is praising how far you've come since the previous season. So I think it's then harder to do the second act. I was stunned that he didn't get a head coaching job. I thought he would have certainly, you know, his work with Allen would have been recognized there. But I think you're right. I mean, and the fact that he didn't get any help from personnel and they didn't trade for Zach Ertz makes his job even harder this <laughs> offseason because there's, you know, you're basically running with the same group of person. But they didn't really, you know, I think there's a lot of people, uh, if you follow the mock draft tea leaves that we're having them, maybe look at Travis Etienne at the end of the first round. And and maybe that sentiment was true. I think that they know they need another playmaker in this offense, mm-hmm. um, but something hasn't really materialized. And I think that that might end up being the great regret in all of this. Um, for Buffalo that no matter how good he is at creating all these mismatches for Josh Allen, like eventually, you know, people are going to figure you out. They're going to get enough tape on you. And this isn't, you know, Josh Allen is great, but at the end of the day, he's still Josh Allen, right? You know, it's, it's sort of a, a sort of a Cam Newton with a, with a different sort of arm talent slightly. I don't know exactly how you want to put it, but no matter how special and kind of talented these players are, people do end up finding a way to shut them down. And so I think the clock kind of runs out on you a little bit there, unfortunately, if you don't get new players in the fold. 
Yeah, and last year was everything Bills fans had been hoping for, right? The Patriots finally, Tom Brady leaves the division, and there's an opening, and the Bills seize it and take advantage. But do they have enough to take that next step? And that's what we discussed with them drafting a pass rusher. But you're right, Connor, they didn't address getting another offensive playmaker to enliven things. And I think another point you made, too, about Dable with that coaching job, I think if you're in that position, there is always the allure or, you know, the potential of saying, well, I'm going to do a lot of creative things to make sure that people know this is my offense and they can see my creativity on display. And I think it can be really hard to resist that. Ultimately, you have to do what makes the most sense for the offense. But I think there have been plenty of not saying that Dayball is in this camp, but there have been plenty of coordinators in the past that fall into that trap. They want to get cute. They want everyone to know that they have these fantastic ideas that you haven't seen before. And that's not always what's best for the offense. So you also this year have to resist that urge. I think overall, when you step back, there's there's always an assumption that, especially when it's a young quarterback, the trajectory, the improvement is just going to stay on that even, uh, you know, incremental, okay, he got this much better, now he'll get that much better next year. And just imagine, uh, I don't know, eight years from now when Josh Allen is throwing for 112 touchdowns every season. And uh, that's really just not how it works out when it's all said and done. But uh, uh, with that, I do want to transition to the Mad Libs because we did see improvement between week one and week two from Connor Orr, who's who's pretty tenuous grasp on the whole concept uh, (laughs) became much better in week two and let's see if he can improve in week three here Connor take it away well last week um, I had to call my mom who is a a sixth grade English teacher and I said mom uh, let's run back through adjectives nouns verbs adverbs uh, because that's where I really struggled and uh, she was disappointed but uh, we started from the beginning and so I'm hoping that I'm hoping that I, I, I made some headway here so Um, Who wants to go first this week? I think it's my turn. Yeah, okay, Jenny. Jenny, um, give me an adjective describing the feeling you get when you run your hands through your hair. Silky. It's a little aspirational, but why not? Perfect. Uh, Okay, silky. Good, good, good. Um, Gary, um, an adjective that describes um, an ailing pet. How would you describe like an ailing pet? Oh, this is a wow. This one. is yeah. This is very sad. Really, <laughs> uh, that is uh, an ailing pet. Would be um, it's just dead air at this point. It's uh, <laughs> it's just super sad. It's it's tragic. Can tragic. can we call it that? It's 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 heart wrenching. Yeah, is um, that close enough? Uh, how ailing is it? Can I can I in, pretend in the my pet's going to get better? In my mind, I'm trying to get you to say frail, uh, but <laughs> um, but I, you don't have to say frail. But I would like you to say something <laughs> similar to the word frail. How about brittle? Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully that brittle. doesn't Ooh, describe I'm my the- hair. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. Um, all right, uh, Jenny. An adjective describing uh, what, what is the most important function of a wizard? Like, what does a wizard do um, that is more important than anything else uh, pertaining to being a wizard? Magic. Perfect. All right. Um, we're really flying here. Um, okay. I wonder um, if that pertained to Belichick. Hmm. Uh, Gary, give me a noun um, and something that you uh, regularly look for when you're going to shop at Bed Bath & Beyond. What do you try <laughs> to buy at Bed Bath & Beyond? The uh, the yearly uh, mat desk calendar. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes. yeah. Uh, nice. You're still a calendar guy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, but I it's it's under uh it's under a pile of crap right now, so it's not functioning. Twenty twenty one just doesn't count. There you go. Um Jenny, a verb describing your, your favorite gym activity. What do you like to do at the gym? Okay, this is a good one. Uh slams, you know, when you slam down the medicine ball and you get out a lot of frustration. So med ball slams. Yes. Very good. Um Gary, um I, something uh that 
what's something that um that bores you greatly? Hopefully uh, not this podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Well, if they've made it this far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're we're at the uh we're at the like 80% mark at this point. So, uh something that bores me tremendously is uh uh probably driving at this point. That's a good one. Okay. Drive like driving Foxborough. long distances. Driving anywhere. Just okay. yeah, just driving anywhere is a chore at this point. Um, and then we have here, um, Jenny, maybe when you were a kid or if you've, if you still have that same feeling, what, uh, what is an adjective that kind of describes how you feel the night before Christmas? Okay. Yeah, definitely more a child, um, eager. Okay, good. Eager. No longer eager before Christmas. You know, I don't know what to say. (laughs) Ventus colon Santa isn't real. Get over it. <laughs> um, okay, and um, uh, a word, Gary, uh, that you would mutter uh, to yourself. Let's say you're in Starbucks and you're watching someone try to push their way out of a pole door. Um, what do you what What do you mutter to yourself? Um, I don't want to necessarily be insulting, but uh, I, it's I, a perfectly I, capable person that is stubborn and is just refusing to admit that. Yeah, so so I'm going to go with uh, 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 Nimrod. Ooh, good one, good <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah, I'm really interested to see who this describes in the division. <laughs> Lots they're of all contenders. Just, they're yeah. all just Tom Brady. It's all just Tom Brady. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so okay, so here we go. Um, The AFC East has long been ruled by the Silky Patriots, Uh, but something happened. Uh, Their brittle quarterback, Tom Brady, moved to Florida, (laughs) bringing all of New England's magic secrets with him. Uh, That left the door open for the Buffalo Bills to stampede through, led by their quarterback, Josh Allen, who, let's be honest, looks a little bit like a Matt Desk calendar. (laughs) Allen's season last year was great. And many people in the state of Buffalo slammed their way out of their snow-filled living rooms to celebrate their playoff berth. The Miami Dolphins are trying very hard to win the Division 2, but the problem is, watching them play often feels like driving. Sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's bad. But it's never enough. And last and definitely least, we have the Jets. Their new head coach, Robert Sala, seems eager, but younger fans of the Jets start every season thinking they're good, but they're nimrods. Oh, oh man. Jets fans being Nimrods was man. a perfect ending to the Mad Lib, Connor. <laughs> that was good. I, uh, you know, we I, love I Jets you... fans. Just, just I, to I clarify, was gonna, I, I was going to say I didn't cover the 2011 Jets, so I, I, mean, I feel like I don't have the right to say that. I feel like Connor and I, most of our paltry Twitter followings are made up of Jets fans, <laughs> and we are grateful for all of them. So I am just teasing. Just yeah, to be I, clear. I said young Jets fans. So you guys, the people who follow us on Twitter are fine. It's your kids who are nimble. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Oh. So, right? I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't destroy the English language today. Uh, I got all my parts of speech right. Uh, feels good. Yeah, right? that was good. That was that I was improved. It. I feel bad that uh, that that my dying dog was tom brady when it was all said and done but he can he can take it he'll be fine it's going to be funny to keep taking pot shots at at tom brady until he's bezos level powerful and one day i just walk out my door into a sinkhole and like he's been listening the whole time i think one of my si headlines was in his uh end of season like gotcha montage you know and he like after the super bowl tweeted like never listened to talk radio, but it was like a bunch of headlines saying like he was too old. One of the, one of my hot takes was in there. So I think I might be on his radar, you know, might be good. You know, I picked the bucks third in the power rankings after they lost to the bears. So I'm, uh, I, I'm forever a Brady loyalist, I guess. Are you going to do that again this year? Uh, pick the bucks high or do power rankings? Cause (laughs) probably, I hope the answer is no to both of those, but (laughs) It probably will be yes to both of those. I'll have to vote them super low then just to balance it out. Connor is the chaos agent in the power ranking grid. Can I reveal can I just reveal real quick? And we are doing the AFC East show, so it's uh, uh it's relevant. Two years ago at one point, you put the Bills first or second? First. In the Yeah. And 
look, I do not get very much interaction on Twitter, but uh, uh, every once in a while when I log into Twitter, I'm like, I have like 17 mentions? What is going on here? And it was just a bunch of people like, like, oh, Gary definitely put the Bills first in the power rankings. Like, <laughs> I didn't. I swear to God, I didn't. It was somebody else. I uh, I put them first in the power rankings, and for a time, um, like according to like maybe the five or six people that actually follow this, I'm not naive enough to think that beyond that it changes anybody's life. But um, you know, kind of developed a little bit of folk status with the four or five people in Buffalo who are paying attention. And then last year when uh, and and that's coming up, so I'm sort of getting a little bit of agita. But when you have to uh, predict all. Uh, every single yeah. NFL game, uh, I picked the Bills to finish seven in line last year, and there was a Bills fan that DM'd me immediately following every game last year just to be like, you're an idiot, and he would just say it every week, and uh, and so I lost, I felt like I lost my credibility that I worked so hard to gain over that time because, let's be honest, you're, you're going to be, and when you're in our business, you want to be nicer to the fan bases that you feel like might actually like you know come to your house and like you know and try to like freak you out you know and the bills would be like that like you know you know you're you're just jumping through tables all day i bet you have time to come and yell at me at my house if you really wanted to so i'm i'm gonna pick them to win more than i'm not going to pick them to win wow that's a survival thing you know the power rankings discussion is a great transition into our show finale it is. Ooh. It is because this is also motivated by fear when we uh, do these do these <laughs> votes here. Uh, so all four of us ranked uh, one through four our uh, predictions for this division. They were all pretty similar at this point. Only one. Uh, uh, only one. What's the word I'm looking for? Agitator. I went rogue. Yeah, no, but I wish. I wish. I wish I did what you did. Like I had what you had, and and I wa- because you're right. You're going to be right. And it's, it's, uh, I don't know. This is a long way of saying Jenny's right. So. But then I would have been the agitator if you agree with Jenny. So Jenny's the agitator here. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, let, let's break this up. We all had the Jets, uh, finishing last. I, look, the Jets are on the right path. They'll be fine. Everyone will live and everyone will have a good time there this year. Uh, but yes, we all picked them last. So they are, they are fourth place. Third place is the Dolphins. We all picked them third. Uh, Dolphins with six points in third. In second place, the Patriots with 10. They got a first place vote from someone. And the Bills are projected to finish first with 11 points. Connor and I picked them to finish first, which means Jenny picked the Patriots. To That's win the right. Division. I disrupted things. Although, if you think about it, it's really not disruptive if you look at the way things have been, right? I'm just reverting to the old status quo rather than what last year was but it is a little bit disruptive this year people are expecting the bills to build off of last season and the patriots are in a downswing but i don't know it might take the patriots a little while to to get back up there but i kind of have high hopes for them this season i do too i really do so I want to wrap this one. We didn't do this on the other divisions, and I, I will forever regret that. But I want to wrap this show up just a little bit differently. I mean, we gave you the one through four. For all you know, we think all four teams are the best four teams in football, and uh, and therefore, uh, you know, finishing fourth wouldn't be so bad. But I want to run team by team, and this is all I want to do. I am going to present each team, and uh, I'm going to ask if they are a Super Bowl contender. And not like, oh, they're my pick to win the Super Bowl, but Super Bowl contender. Should they have Super Bowl uh, aspirations here? And we all can just shout out our individual answers at that point. But uh, I I think I set it basically loose enough rules that this could go in any way. But uh, let's start this off with the Bills. Are the Bills Super Bowl contenders? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Are we supposed to shout at the same I, time? I maybe. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> sure. Just re- it reminded me of uh, my daughter was listening to the Sound of Music for the first time, and and she, you know that song. It's like I'd like to stay and taste my first champagne, and she said yes, and then like the dad just goes no, and like that's what that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, are the Bills Super Bowl contenders? Yes. Yes. Okay. I think so. Okay. Are, like, I mean, what are we defining as Super Bowl contenders? Like, are they good enough to be, like, in the in the conference championship game? Like, and that's what you would consider in contention for the Super Bowl? 
legitimate Super Bowl aspiration. If you are a fan of the Bills, should okay. you be should you be hopeful of a Super Bowl berth this year? Yes, because I mean, let's let's face it. I, I'll bring up the Texans as a uh, as an example. No Texans fan is like, ah, oh, you know, is, uh, they. I hope they go to the Super Bowl this year. I, you know, we'll, we'll have to line up for tickets. Like, no one's going to be doing that. So, uh, I just want to give fans a, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, just sort of a, a, I don't know, starting point to uh, okay. start building their expectations off of. But right. that, uh, and I'm glad this took <laughs> eight minutes to do the Bills. Yes or Sorry. no? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's go, Patriots. Patriots were, were projected second place. Are the Patriots Super Bowl contenders? Yes. Yes. Every year. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. The Miami Dolphins, we all picked them third place. This is where it starts to get interesting. Are the Dolphins Super Bowl contenders? I, I say no. No. I say yes. Okay. I think... Uh, Okay, you don't want to hear why I think yes. It's yeah, just a I, one word no, answer. I, well, right? yeah, I mean, you can go now. Tua in that Cardinals game last year. Like, I think if, if yeah. that's the Tua that you get, then it's a yes. It's 100% yes. I think it's really interesting what's happening there. Uh, I, I thought it was really disappointing last year, but sometimes you just got to get the right weapons and get the right coaches in there, and you, you unlock something. Uh, and let's go, uh, I, we'll, we'll all say no for the, I don't know, it, Jets, playoff contenders, playoff no. possibility? No. No. I'll say no. Not this okay. year. Maybe they're headed, like you said, maybe they're headed in the right direction, but no for now. Okay. All right. We had well, to really spell it out for those Nimrod fans. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> really had I'll to take, end on a low note. I, <laughs> I said Nimrod. I can take the heat on that. <laughs> You guys don't need to take it. All right, well, we have three of these down. We have five to go. We are still fielding your guesses as to how we determined this order. And uh, again, if you uh, if you get it right, we have some stickers for you. We might have something else. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm, my podcast setup right here is in, in my basement, and I'm uh, currently being tasked with cleaning out all the garbage from my office. And I found a um, gigantic... Um, a gigantic plastic bag full of business cards that I don't need anymore. And so I'm going to sweeten the pot here because not only do you get um, uh, stickers, MMQB stickers, but I will send you a business card uh, from, uh, from this, uh, from this ran- very random stack of, uh, of business cards. I will, I will cross out any personal numbers so that you can't uh, bother any of these people, but you can enjoy uh, uh, some of the very, uh, uh, very fun artwork. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I can, you want me to kind of like shuffle one and I'll like, add, we'll add it to the pot, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I think let's do that every week. So, so there's one going in the pot this week and, uh, Connor, you tell us who it is. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea where this came from. Uh, <laughs> I have a card for a lawyer and he's just called fight lawyer and uh and so uh this is a lawyer called fight lawyer and uh and he represents fighters uh trainers uh and specializes in disputes and uh it says on the back this person brings knowledge experience integrity determination and tenacity fight lawyer boy i was hoping that was like a lawyer you could fight a lawyer that'll fight for you. <laughs> All right. Who doesn't want to win this now? <laughs> the pot the pot has been appropriately sweetened. Send in those uh, guesses, and we will see you guys next week. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is Jenny Brentis, Connor Orr, and me, Gary Grambling. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Mark Mravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB, and Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and really wherever else you listen to podcasts. Hi. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.